Oh my god. Good, right? <laughs> wow. It's insane. This thing could be your food. Folks, listen. Welcome to the podcast. It's called This Band Could Be Your Food. I'm your host, Nate Palin. I'm going to be doing this podcast every week, bringing on guests where we will discuss if a band were a food, what food would that be? I think that maybe somewhere in an alternate reality, souls are shared. We're going to try to find the soul of the band and then transform that into the appropriate food. So this week, I brought in my good friend, Charlie Schmidt. Now, Charlie Schmidt is a drummer, also songwriter, guitar player, singer, does everything. Primarily does drums. Does a lot of metal drumming. Teaches a lot of lessons. He's a New York City liver. Been living here for a while. He grew up in Long Island. One of the best drummers out there. And if you ever have an opportunity to see one of his bands play, or you need a drummer for a project, he's your guy. He and I are in a band called The Last Nights. It's a wedding band because we are working musicians. So we're trying to make a living. Uh, we decided during this big, long break that will be forever known as uh, the coronavirus pandemic, we had to get creative, finding new things to do. And this podcast is just one of those things that we decided to do. So anyways, he and I uh, frequently, in between sets, would talk about bands and things like that. And so I knew he would be a good conversationalist, a good guy to, to join for us. So anyways, this is our first episode, and we're still trying to figure out what we're doing. But at this point, we know the name. This band could be your food. We know that you're listening, and we know you probably like the Ramones. So join us as we discover what food is the Ramones. Here we go. <laughs> Funny, like food, food and music go together. I mean, especially you know when you play in a band, it's like there's always that like there's always that expectation. Like, yeah, after we play, we're gonna eat. You know? <laughs> yeah, so and usually, like, usually uh, when you start playing long enough gigs, food will be included in in the gig. Yeah, the longer the gig, the more food you eat. Yeah, yeah. But like, what is it? How did it transition from like you know? bands on stage that look like they hadn't eaten in days to like you know now all of a sudden it's like i'm not gonna play unless i get food <laughs> obviously in money but yeah sure i mean well you, we've both been in touring bands and i i mean i know that you know what are we gonna eat is always a big part of the day you know as far as like where we're we gonna get lunch or like when we first started you know we our band would literally make ten dollars per gig right. and then the rest of the money would go into the gas tank um so it'd be like, is the club going to feed us? And is it going to be pizza again? <laughs> Which is fine. I love pizza. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes a burger is like all you get when you do a gig. Yeah. You know, because yeah, the rest goes into the gas tank and whatever merch sales you get goes to paying the record label back. <laughs> yeah. 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 We worked without a, a record label. We went so far as we actually turned our van into uh, a, a van that would run off of vegetable oil. Are you serious? Yeah. You converted it? Yeah. You could do it with a diesel van. We had like a Ford diesel van 
And uh, we, you know, there was a guy in Madison, Wisconsin. They love all this hippie stuff in mm -hmm. Madison, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. They, they uh, converted the thing to uh, run on vegetable oil. And so our plan was we're going to, you know, drive. And then wherever city we're in, we're going to, like, call up the Japanese restaurants and collect their oil. Because it's in the same fashion that, you know, the better quality regular oil, like, f the better oil that's good for you to consume, the better oil for your engine. Uh -huh. So the best thing to have would be like peanut oil or something like that. But if it's like hydrogenated oil, it'll clog up the uh, the gunny works. You can't uh, use those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, so we we would try to you know that was our plan, and I think the best we found was was some very dirty oil, and we spent I think no less than four hours trying to uh, siphon the good oil out of like the food and gunk, and then after that we just started looking for biodiesel stations around the country to refill but anyways wow. when it worked it was great because our car would smell like french fries <laughs> the inside of the car would smell like french fries well the outside so like people driving behind us you'd see them like pull up and be like what where how come there's some french fry smell going on here like, eh, it's our van that's pretty incredible yeah so it made us hungrier for the the pizza when we got to the gig <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like i can't stand yeah. fries yeah, but on the same token, um, on the flip side of it, I cooked at a restaurant for a little while, mm -hmm. and um, you won't find bigger music fans, adamant music fans, than 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 chefs, people that work in kitchens. You know, a big part of the day is you know just who gets to put on the next CD or you know put on the next. I don't know what they're doing these days. Probably whatever. Yeah. But you know, it's like everybody brought in their stack of CDs and you'd go through order. It's like, all right, I get I get my turn, mm. you know. And whoever the head chef kind of had, you know, a little bit uh, more jurisdiction as to what was going to be played next. Um. So, but yeah, food and music have always gone really well together. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I just made my way through uh, Anthony Bourdain's Restaurant Confidential. And yeah, for oh. sure. Definitely. There's yeah. so many music references in there. Being a chef in the 70s in New York and having like, you know, just all the experiences that he did and like going to CBGB's and all these things is like really incredible. And hearing his, you know, working in the kitchen as a sous chef, you know, at the top of the rock and listening to like, you know, <sighs> New York Dolls or whatever they had at that time, the Stooges, all these bands. It's yeah. Like, you know, um, pretty incredible stories, but yeah. Wow. So he probably saw the Ramones. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he cooked for the Ramones. Yeah. Too. If I'm not mistaken, you know, but nice. um, yeah, definitely the food and music thing. But it's just, it feels like to me that like, you know, like the, the, the pairing of food and music, it's, it, it almost seems like it's like, I know I can't eat when I watch a band. You know, so I think about it from the audience perspective. That's like, true. That's true. And I'm certainly not talking about like when we're going to pair a, a band with a food. I'm not saying like this is what you should listen to while you're eating this food. I'm mm. saying a band can be translated into a food. You know, I think that if we pick apart all of the different elements of a band, we could come up with the conclusion that, you know, in the realm of food, if they were turned into a food, you know, what food would they be? Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's like a conversation. That's definitely like a, a, a tour bus conversation, or in my case, a, a tour car conversation, where it's like <laughs> you're, you're sitting on top of the keyboard player and you're like, hey, you know. You toured in a car? Like, 
<laughs> I've toured pretty much in every modality except for covered wagon. But even then, I think, <laughs> you know, I'm only I'm only 41. Then there's still time to do it. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's a conversation that you have. You know, like what what kind of food would Slayer be? You know. Yes, exactly. Definitely not a Wendy's baked potato. No. For the first episode, I wanted to keep it simple. Mm. So we're we're gonna talk about probably the most simple band in the world, which is the Ramones. The Ramones is here, this here. week's band. Now, when I thought of the Ramones, I, I instantly knew what the pairing was. Uh, the Ramones, they're very simple. They have a sound. Mm -hmm. They reclaimed music and brought it back to rock and roll. Like mm. pop music at that time was starting to branch off in the 70s. It was, you know, it was Donnie and Marie and it was, you know, heading towards the Bee Gees and really just soft, soft AM music was kind of what was happening, I think. But then meanwhile, in New York City, at that time, the CBGB scene was lighting up with television and Blondie and all of these bands. And of course, you know, the foundation of rock and roll was the Ramones that like blew everybody out of the water. Like there's a video of uh, or a, an audio tape of Lou Reed listening to the Ramones for the first time mm. and just saying, oh my God, these guys just figured it all out. <laughs> we all sound like sissies compared to this. Like right. this, like how did they figure out how to do this? <laughs> you know, and it's funny. It's hard to imagine a world without the Ramones. It's just so simple, you know? Sure. It's just sure. loud rock and roll. It's three chords, four chords, and uh, silly lyrics, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, but yet somehow they found their own sort of brilliance. They're all American. When I think of an all American food, very simple, hard to mess up. I think of cheeseburgers. Hmm. So this week's podcast, we're going to talk about the Ramones and their relationship to cheeseburgers. You ever had a bad cheeseburger yes i have yeah yeah i've had a, i've had one so terrible that i literally just pushed it off the table onto the floor really yeah i was playing maryland death fest and uh, they gave you a token for quote-unquote food uh-huh and uh <laughs> you, you went to the tent and you sat down and they you know they kind of like showed you the spread yeah um it was def definitely death fest all the way down the line held true to the title <laughs> the food was just absolute death and i remember i was sitting down next to the dudes from neurosis I took one bite of the burger and I put it down. And I just slid it off the table onto the floor. And we all erupted <laughs> laughing. So I was like, this is the best place for this to be. But school, I still think back to school cheese, schoolyard cheeseburgers. Yeah. <laughs> and I think of them fondly. Yeah. I had, yeah, not to go off topic, but I, I loved school lunch. Just, <laughs> just leaving that there. So yeah, I think, you know, yeah. it, with the exception of the Maryland Death Fest burger as standing alone, really, yeah. I think you're right. I've had some homemade burgers that were like maybe a little too dry, maybe a little undercooked. Sure. Still good. Yeah. Still flavorful. Like mama's cheeseburger when she would put a, a, a piece of Wonder Bread on either side and so that it would just melt into the burger. And yep. it's like, this is not what I, it's not what I signed up for, ma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're going to need a little extra mayo to help this, uh, <laughs> you know, slide down the old gullet. <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 it's a good, it's a good comparison. It's a good comparison because even... Even when you get a burger just 
you know, if you go to in and out Burger and you feel like being healthy and you get that like lettuce wrap thing that they do with the, yeah. you know, you put the onions on it and you got like the, the patties such as such, you know, and you, you wrap it in lettuce and you eat it. It's still good. Yeah. It's still very satisfying. It doesn't satisfying. have the component parts that make a burger good. Like, yeah. You know, like a pretzel bun or a potato roll, if you will. Sure. You know. Well, I definitely uh, am a big proponent of the, the potato bun and, uh, you know, we'll get into that. Uh, for now, let's let's go back to sort of talking more about the band. Um, they started out in Queens, where we are right now doing this podcast. Yeah, they're they're out in Forest Hills, though. Their history they they were just uh, at the time just three or four dudes. They all went to school together. Tommy, the original uh, drummer, who was also supposed to be their their manager, it was his idea to put a band together. He kept seeing. Dee Dee and Johnny and just said, you guys, we got to have a band together. Dee Dee was known as Douglas at that time. Dee Dee was the first one to use the last name Ramon. He called himself Dee Dee Ramon and hence became the reason to call the band the Ramones and for everybody in the band to change their last name. Tommy had put together Joey uh, on drums, Dee Dee and Johnny. And Dee Dee and Johnny both played guitar. Dee Dee was initially going to be the singer, but because he couldn't sing and play the bass at the same time, they had to call Joey up front to sing because Tommy looked at them all and said, well, this guy who's like six foot seven should obviously be front and center. <laughs> and, you know, to balance out everything else, put the other two on each other's side, and then there you go. And then they wanted to find a drummer. And they couldn't find a drummer. Uh, and then one day nobody showed up, and, and Tommy decided that he'd sit behind the kit and some magic happened because Tommy beforehand was always a, a musician. He was initially a guitar player. Uh, so when he had to sit behind the drum set, he found out that his musical ability was the exact same as the other two guys who had also just purchased their bass and their guitar. And they were all learning how to play at the same time. Mm. So they sort of had Tommy to show them what they needed to do to get up to speed and, and start being, you know, start playing songs. Um, and from there, that's just how everything Everything just kind of glued together. It was just natural. Mm. Yeah. So what are your, do you have any uh, favorite Ramon songs? Um, yeah, obviously. I mean, you know, Blitzkrieg, Bop. Coming from Long Island, I can say that like, you know, in the 90s, it was, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, it was all about local radio. Local radio would always pump in the same, like three or four tunes from all the major bands, you know, Led yeah. Zeppelin, Aerosmith. Um. I always felt like the Ramones, like when you when you put on Blitzkrieg Bop, you just want to like just kind of pump your fists. You just kind of want to like start doing push-ups or something. It's like <laughs> it's got this otherworldly energy behind it that it feels like nothing else. Honestly, I mean, it's you know I, I kind of get maybe the same the same emotion when I think of like you know that early Metallica record Kill 'Em All, like the same kind of like pumping skank beat, you know, like that that urgency behind the drums. Um, sure. It kind of makes you feel like it's going to run off the tracks at any point in time. Like yeah. it, like, you know, like you kind of opened up the door and there's just this like freight train just speeding yeah. by and you close the door again. And you're like, what the hell was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And their first shows at CBGB's were exactly that. They went up to do their first gig and the first song they played, they had not agreed on what the first song was. So they all started playing different songs. And then out of disgust, they all threw their guitars down and just ran backstage and everybody in the attendance was like, what just happened? Are they going to, you know, that, that energy was just always there. 
Um, and then eventually they came back and then they played, I think it was maybe 15 songs and they played them all in about 19 minutes. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. But that was, that was part of the charm is like, is this going to just explode at any second? Frequently it did, at least in the early days. It's, it's kind of the, I mean, not to sidetrack, it's kind of the perfect band to be in. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're able to roll in like a few minutes before, like you go on stage. I mean, you'd be done with that gig in like 35 minutes. It's pretty great. <laughs> sure. Johnny always thought that the band was the greatest band ever. And at that time, it's pretty hard to argue. Like for what they did, mm-hmm. nobody could do anything as good as they were doing. Um, Johnny said that there was one band that started to rival them mm-hmm. out, of, uh, out of England, and it was The Clash. Ah. He said that first Clash record... He said, uh-oh, we really have some competition now. Right. The Clash, I mean, were inspired by the Ramones. Because the Ramones, they did their first tour out in England, and they were recepted just like gangbusters. They just took to it. And all of these punk rockers were at the show, like members of Joy Division, members of the Sex Pistols, the Clash. They were all in attendance for the show. Mm-hmm. You know, the story is... is you know, there was maybe 20 or 25 people in, in attendance. And after that, they all started punk bands like immediately after. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a show with the Flaming Groovies that put them in front of a huge audience. And so they came back to America feeling like they were stars. Mm-hmm. But when they got back to America, they were stuck playing their little shows at the CBGBs for the, you know, 25 to 50 kids that were there. So it really took them a long time mm. to really take off. Then, then they they put together their first record, which was actually produced by Tommy, and then some a friend of theirs. Uh, they were in a fortunate situation where somebody had just started a studio, so they were hiring other bands, and, and therefore, because they were friends, they allowed the Ramones to come in and record. I think during the off hours, like maybe super late at night, and they went in and busted out the record. I think they recorded everything in one or two days. It was like first or second take, and then that was it. That was the template for punk rock debatable mm-hmm. um from from here on in what's your favorite ramon song um you know as a musician that's always my least favorite question what is their favorite song yeah i do have a favorite ramon's record and it's road to ruin now road to ruin i think this is the first record that tommy stepped off of drums and marky ramon joined the band mm-hmm. and he was more of a drummer. He had been playing with uh, Richard Hell and the Voivoids. And um, you know what song they did? They had the Blank Generation. That was their tune, mm. which was on the soundtrack to Repo Man, which was such a great soundtrack. Did you ever hear that soundtrack? Repo Man? Repo Man. I don't even... What movie is that? Oh, that's, that's uh, Emilio Estevez's first movie. <laughs> I don't know if it was his first movie, but, but it was like his movie. But what it, the soundtrack, Black Flag, was on there. Suicidal Tendencies Institution was on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Hell and the Voivoids. So he was in that band, and then he joined the Ramones and basically took Tommy's style, which was like 16th notes on the hi-hat. Mm-hmm. And it was all about not like playing too loud because you just had to play so fast with that finger. It's like... So to play that fast, you just had to play quiet. And that's just kind of like one of the unknown parts of their sound is the drums really just didn't play that loud. It was like the guitars and the basses were so loud. And then the drums just kind of sat in the back. But Marky was a more seasoned drummer. So the second that he joined the band, you can hear the difference. All of a sudden they could play cohesively together and their sound just gelled. And I frequently wonder if somebody else was playing their instruments. 
<laughs> like, oh. Yeah. I mean, Didi, like when I watch Didi play the bass live, I'm always like, are you really playing in time? Or are you just playing? It's like, it just doesn't like what his hand is doing and what I'm hearing are just like two different things. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and like every record that. before that, you can kind of hear that it's just sort of like, it just sounds like a band just barely keeping it together. Mm-hmm. Like what's keeping it together is like the songs and the sound. It's like, you just can't deny it. They've got these loud amps. And it's so simple and it's so obvious and the lyrics are so goofy, but it, it really just falls like, you know, it just feels like something's just going to fall off the train at any moment. But with that record, all of a sudden, like, and I know that this was their plan is, is they wanted that record to be really polished. So yeah, I really do wonder. I know later on, it is a fact that Didi was on so many drugs that they would just bring in another bass player. Sure. Like that happened with, that's what happened with the Phil Spector album that they put out. Right. Yeah. Right. In in Didi's autobiography, which I mean, you can take that whole thing with a grain of salt. Yeah. Anything that's coming out of <laughs> Didi's mouth, it's really difficult to say whether or not it happened or not. Right. In 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 his autobiography, Didi said that uh, you know he just remember he'd come in and they would be checking drum sounds for eight hours, and he just said, "Screw you guys, I'm out of here." And then all of a sudden, he came back maybe a week later, and the record was done. <laughs> <laughs> He says, I don't know who played the bass on the tracks, but I'm credited for it, and I thank them for that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But did you ever hear about the, the Phil Spector session? No, the yeah. one with the Ramones? Yeah. No. Phil Spector, he produced End of the Century, which was the last-ditch effort to become famous. They thought that they were going to be the biggest band in the world, and they were astonished that they could never achieve the success that they wanted. Well, they ended up doing that Ronettes cover ultimately right they did baby baby i love you yeah and it's funny actually every time that song comes on it's i don't even i don't even catch that it's a cover it just sounds exactly like the ramones and i was like (laughs) i remember i listened to it i'm like this is just the most amazing thing they just had such a musicality to them like everything they touched i feel like even you know what i like talking about this the pet cemetery soundtrack yeah please their pet (laughs) cemetery tune is just the awesomest thing in the world. (laughs) I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And it's like for something about it is it's so, it's so carnival, but it works. Yeah. I could never sing that. I could never write that. (laughs) It's it's sitting right in front of you too. Like, who would ever think to say, I don't want to be buried in a, in a pet cemetery? Like, yeah, who would, imagine if you came into a writing session, you know, you're like out in LA, it's like, it's like a room full of like five lyric writers. You come yeah, in, you're like, like right, I got it, got, you guys. We got to put this together, you guys. What are we going to do? All right. All right. Hold Shoot on. some ideas. <laughs> I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. It's right, like, next. you're fired. Get the hell out of here. You know, like, but wait. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. How do they do it? That's, well, I mean, I, I think that's the genius of, you know, we talk about musicians and artists operating on another level. You know, you could see artists that go into the studio and they come out and they have a record that represents them very well. But the Ramones, I feel like you could just prop them up at a bar somewhere and you'd get what they recorded. You know, it was just yeah. so, you know, it, it's like inherent in them. Like they just, in a way, artistically, they just couldn't help it. That's yeah. just the way it, it came out. Exactly. Um, they couldn't do anything else. Once they figured out how to do that, they said, well, this is what we're going to do. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? And you could argue back then in the 70s, you know, you, I just watched a documentary um, a few weeks back on Netflix about New York in the 70s and the, and the crack epidemic and how just, you know, even without the drugs, New York was just falling apart yeah. at the seams. There was like, 
so much crime and just it was it was a really really tough place to live for sure um so you know great time to have bought in real estate (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and i think you know here you know here come these here come these dudes from forest hills and you know they describe there's just there's nothing to do there's nowhere to go you know you could catch the train down the rockaways and like hit the beach i mean you could yeah you know there's there's really new york was no frills back then um it only could have happened then because these days everyone's got a phone there's there's something to do (laughs) yeah and new york is look i don't you know i don't want to speak too far out of the you know the what's going on in in the public with the pandemic and society but new york is a very safe place now yeah more than it ever was in the 70s i mean you know my father grew up in the bronx you know he used to say like driving a truck as a younger man when he was out of the marine corps like in and out of the city it was always a gamble you know yeah um so it's amazing how, you know, if we talk a little bit about how like the environment shapes the music is always so fascinating. You know, whatever was going on at that time, like we could, we'll, we'll never have another Ramones. We'll never have another Bruce Springsteen. Like no. they were the voice of a certain kind of people that aren't around anymore, probably because of, you know, you want to think now that like the rich are really, really rich and the poor are really, really poor. And there's like the middle class is getting sort of siphoned down the drain. Uh, this was a reflection of that, you know, economic standing. For sure. Um, uh, there's a great story I love about this. The Ramones were playing some club, I believe in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and Bruce Springsteen had showed up in the audience. And they saw him there before they started. And they said, well, that's pretty cool. He's there. I wonder how, how many songs he'll, he'll stick through before he ends up leaving. Uh-huh. So he ended up watching the whole show. And, you know, much to the Ramones' amazement, after they got done, Joey came up to Bruce and said, hey, Bruce, how you doing? Hey, can you, you should write us a song. <laughs> Bruce is like, hey, that's a great idea. I'll write you a song. So Bruce goes home and he ends up writing the song Hungry Heart that he had full plans to give to the Ramones to be on their next record. But the problem is, is Bruce Springsteen's manager said, you would be crazy to give up this song. This song is a hit. So he didn't give it to the Ramones. He and the Bruce Springsteen ended up recording it and it ended up being his first number one hit. That's incredible. Yeah. And meanwhile, Joey, you know, the OCD Joey Ramone just never got over it. His whole life he was like, I, Bruce Springsteen's gonna give us a song. He said he is going to. So he oh. just kept waiting around to his dying breath. He's like, Bruce Springsteen's got a song coming for us. You, I have he's an, gonna I, save us. Oh, that's, <laughs> so heartbreaking i have an idea yeah i think we should do hungry heart in the style of the ramones that's a great idea for the ramones exactly just just do it just flat out just you know just skank beat it you know just put the i don't know how it's going to sound but it's 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 got to be done it must be done they need their they i mean springsteen you know obviously still with us yeah still doing great stuff absolutely so it would be only right for us to record that i don't know if has anyone ever recorded that uh not to my knowledge hungry heart as a remote to my knowledge tune. it needs to be done all right i think i think that's a nice challenge because I, that's a fascinating story i had no idea that yeah. that i mean i'm not surprised both being east coasters for sure that they would their paths would cross but yeah. that's that's pretty fascinating yeah. and, you know speaking of two bands of their time of their mm-hmm. of their environment you know right different takes yeah i was gonna say it's like i would have like i would have loved to be a fly at the wall during that conversation you know (laughs) bruce springsteen seems so like very like you know he knows who he is like he's got this sort of 
like rich Americana sort of, uh, you know, he writes from his own personal standpoint and everything. And then, and then you got the Ramones that are just like, yeah. you know, these goofballs, they're like these animals. Yeah. It's yeah. Just like, you know, exactly. In the best way possible. For sure. You. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny. So I don't know with that, maybe uh, I'm starting to get hungry. Should we cook some burgers? Yeah. Let's, let's cook some burgers All and right. uh, talk about some more about the Ramones. Sounds good. We'll be back in a minute. So, I have just prepared what is called the Bob's Bad Breath Burger. Charlie's never had this before. I've been making burgers this way for a number of years. You can you can eat, Charlie. I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, no problem. Um, what this is, is um, a burger patty that's padded out to be about a half pound. It's like between a half pound and a quarter pound. In the ground beef, what I've done is I've mixed chopped up garlic. And, you know, I, I like I like to use that over using garlic powder. But usually like a big clove or like two medium-sized cloves worth, you know, within like a pound of, of your standard hamburger meat. Oh, my God. Um, good, right? <laughs> wow. It's insane. And then also mustard powder, chopped flat leaf Italian parsley. Always use flat leaf Italian parsley. Don't use the other kind of parsley. That's just for decoration. The curly parsley is for decoration. The flat parsley, that's for cooking. A good bunch of salt, a good bunch of pepper. And remember, when you're putting your salt in, think of the burger like it's a sausage. Um, a sausage is really salty. You can put a lot of salt in. I mean, more the more salt you put in, the better it's going to taste. Um, obviously, you don't want to overload it, but I mean, you can put a surprisingly large amount of salt inside of that burger so you got those five things your garlic your mustard your parsley salt pepper mix that all together pat out a patty as i said you know for me a half pound burger is just a delightful thing you cook that daddy on a hot 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 surface um you can do it on a grill if you want to do it in a grill you're gonna put your grill as close to the as the coals as you can. So if you want to get real hardcore, you can like start a wood fire and like use wood coals. I did this when I was over in Italy. I was just, I just got back from Italy, so I've been all charged up on food. Uh, a medium to a medium rare is as to how I like my burgers. So you want to make sure that you're using good meat to start off with. You cook it three minutes on each side. Don't be flipping it back and forth, or you're gonna lose all the juices. You cook one side, you get a nice sear. And then you flip it over one time and then you get that good sear there. Now, if you're scared of having a burger, you're not quite sure what kind of um, quality meat you have you, and you want to cook it a little bit more. This is what my mom taught me. Put a little bit of water in the skillet. Like if you're cooking on a skillet, you cook it a little, you know, you cook one side and then when you flip to the other side, put a little bit of water and that water is going to keep the meat nice and juicy. So you're going to still have a good, juicy, tasty burger. You know, you're going to miss on a little bit of the flavor, but I mean, you're going to ensure that you're going to still have a really succulent, juicy, tasty burger. So those are my ideas. All right. Now to the toppings. What we do, you put this burger on top of, and I'm going to say it, a potato bun. That is my favorite bun because it has a little bit of sweetness and the texture is is perfect for sopping up all the juices that are going to fall out of it. So you're not going to lose any of the flavor of your burger. Look at every little piece of juice that falls out is another little bit of flavor that you're missing out on. You don't want, you don't want to lose any of your flavor. 
Then we put on some um, caramelized red onions. We put on pica pepper sauce. Now, pica pepper sauce is like a Jamaican steak sauce, you know. So, therefore, a regular old, I think, A1 steak sauce will work. But the pica pepper sauce just has a little bit of different flavor. It's still vinegar based, um, but they also use a lot of like Jamaican fruits that are available. I don't exactly know what all the ingredients are, but it's it's a lot of fruit based. Um, it's a little bit spicy. After that, you put a patty of cream cheese. Now that is the craziest thing. And what, the hardest thing to try to sell somebody is that you're going to put cream cheese on your burger. Um, but obviously if you put cream cheese on a burger, you're not going to put it on the cooking patty. You're going to put it on afterwards because otherwise that thing is going to be, it's just going to disintegrate into your pan. It's going to be a big mess. Put the cream cheese, you put a slice of tomato, Roman tomato is my favorite, any kind of sweet tomato that, that you can find, whatever's in season. Um, and then on top of that green goddess dressing, you can use any green goddess dressing. There's plenty of recipes, um, but that rounds out the whole thing. And then I put it on a slightly toasted potato bun and voila, my favorite burger. It's incredible. You know, it's funny. I didn't even really, I couldn't even really detect the cream cheese other than the fact that it just sort of like rounded the whole flavor of the burger out. So it wasn't for those who are maybe skeptical about the cream cheese. Um, yeah. It, it, it adds something to it. That's, that's. That's very smooth texturally. Yeah. It's not overpowering. You, you right. still get some cheese, but you know, typically, mm -hmm. even if you put an American cheese on, you can taste that American cheese. Yes. Um, and you know, that's a different route. You certainly, you know, if you're grilling burgers outdoors for everybody, I mean, this is like a gourmet burger. You know, this is what I make for my family when we're gonna when we're gonna have burgers. But I mean, when you're you know outside, just whatever cheese is fine. Cheddar is typically the best. That's where we like provolone. Provolone melts really well. Huh. Um, it also kind of stays away from the flavor of the burger too. So, you know, you can you can focus more on your meat. Mm, mm. I'm going to have another bite of this. Yeah, the caramelized onions too are, that that's the seller for me yeah. on any burger. Yeah, it's the caramelized onions. I mean, they really popped. So, yeah. But mostly what I like about it too is the, you know, I didn't know the cooking of the patty. I didn't really know that. Normally I flip the burgers you know, once to see what the other side's doing and then the other see the other side. So all told probably two times on each side. And that's obviously too much. You just do one time each side. I it's, think that's a really, that's a really super common way of making burgers. Like when you're, when you're man in the grill, it's just fun to like, just keep flipping it. Cause there's nothing else to do. Exactly. You know, you're sitting there just waiting, but you know, just time it correctly. Like if you have a hot, hot pan, it's going to take three minutes. And I think even this burger I mean, it, it came out, I would say, medium well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good because, I mean, I'm, I'm not 100% sure the quality of the burger that I used. Um, and, that, and that's why um, it's all organic. It just, it had been in the freezer for quite a while. But, you know, for a burger that had been in the freezer for a while, it's still pretty good, right? Pretty darn good. Pretty good. I got to say. Yeah. I'm definitely going to recreate this in my spare time. And, you know, I got the cast, you know, I'm a huge cast iron skillet guy. Yeah. So I got the cast iron skillets to make it happen. That is your best meat maker, you know, next to a, next to a grill, of course. Yeah. But I don't, there's honestly, I think a, a skillet is going to make it like a better steak. It's going to make a better burger because you can get a good solid sear. 
the sear is really important. Once you get a big sear, um, is it okay that I'm eating food on a podcast? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it's a food, it's a food podcast and we will play music at some point too. So it's, we will. you're delivering on all points. Yeah. The caramelization of the onions. What yes. is your, what is your tip with the, the pan there? What did you do to get those onions as, as caramelized and, and maybe even dehydrated as you did? What I did, I, I didn't want them to be as dehydrated as they were, honestly. Um, usually you, you slice them up just like a standard slice of onion. Um, so you, you cut an onion in half, you remove all the bad parts, and then you kind of slice them in like slightly less than, you know, like a half a centimeter side, um, half a centimeter in size evenly because you kind of want them to uh, cook all at the same time. So having the same size pieces of food is really important. Mm. I mean, for caramelized onions, it's not too difficult because you're going to be cooking them for a long time. I start out by cooking them a little bit hotter, like on, say, like medium high, mm -hmm. just so they start getting sizzling. And then once they start sizzling and starting to get a little softer, I turn it down low to like two or, you know, super low, and then just let them cook for a long time. And that that's the caramelization process is it just kind of slowly starts to build up sugars within, within the onions. And mm. yeah. It's great because you get a good onion, they get nice and sweet, and you've got mm -hmm. that texture and that, that deep oniony flavor. It's so good. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah, and don't forget to just put a little a dash of salt in there as well. Um, a little dash of salt brings a little flavor to everything. So usually as I'm going along, I put a little dash of salt in there, a little dash of salt in there because, you know, who cares? It all adds up to more flavor. Nice. Now, this burger that I made, this burger is uh, obviously a pretty, you know, elaborate recipe. But if you want to go on the other end with your gourmet burger, I recommend finding a butcher that you can go and get your own mix of burger. Um, I found out what the burger recipe for the Gramercy Tavern is. A friend of mine shared it with me. Um, and this is how you make a really simple but effective burger. The burger that I made today, you put in all these different ingredients in it to, to bring out more flavor. And there's tons of flavor. Like this flavor is going to sit in our mouths all day. Um, it's going to be just delightful. Yeah. But the recipe that they use is 50% ground chuck, which is your standard burger meat. Then you add to that a quarter of short rib and a quarter of brisket. Now, adding these two other meats is going to bring a lot of like nuttiness flavor to it, uh, a little bit more depth, a little bit more chewy. But together, when you put this meat on a hot grill, the smell is just going to fill your apartment with wonderful scents. If you're into that, I'm a kind of guy that if my if my house smells like bacon or or hamburgers all day, I'm I'm a happy. But I don't live in a family that feels that way. <laughs> yeah, Glade so. really missed out on that one, didn't they? Yeah, they did. The, the, There's the, still time. The, the bacon scent, you know? <laughs> Someone's cooking flapjacks and bacon downstairs. <laughs> um, yeah. I love the burger. I do wish it had a different name, but I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely. The bad breath thing kind of like makes me feel a little like skeptical, you know, um, self-conscious. Sure. Yeah. So, well, you'll find out later. Like, call that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why they put the parsley in right off the bat. Like the parsley's inside the burger. Right. So, you know, yeah. that's going to kind of offset it a little bit. But a little bit, a couple, couple hours later, you're still going to be like feeling that burger. Well, you know, it's in a good way. That's an interesting thing that you bring up because, you know, famously people in the past, um, before you went out on a date or if you were to 
you know, be speaking with someone who you weren't so familiar with, you might eat a handful of parsley because it actually, oh, yeah? yeah, it actually does. Um, it, it, it comes, the parsley comes back oh. and it's a, it's a more pleasant smelling herb. So you oh. can, you can chew a handful of parsley if, if, you know, if you're going, if you're going to be close to talking with somebody in some yeah, yeah, yeah. capacity, you can, you can chew some parsley <laughs> and, um, drink a glass of water and then you know you wait 20 minutes and your breath will actually come back you could do it with mint as well and cilantro sure. things like that but oh, yeah wow. these herbs and parsley actually removes heavy metal from your blood so it's 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 a multi-action really it's kind of a miracle herb yeah so you good. don't have a lot of parsley then no that's well that's <laughs> i got a lot of metal in the blood yes absolutely <laughs> good tips oh yeah so let, let me finish talking about this other burger that i was talking about once you get that mix you do it the exact same way, except um, there's many people will say, don't add salt to your burger until the very last minute. Because when you put salt on a burger, you're going to remove all of the juices as well. So, you know, the best tip that I can give you is if you get this mix, which as I said, 50% ground chuck, 25% short rib, 25% brisket. Uh, have your butcher put it through the grinder one time and no more. You want to have those big pockets of meat. You want them to sort of be separated from each other. Um, and then when you pat them out, be really gentle not to pat them out so much. Um, inside, you're going to be creating little pockets of flavor because the fat is going to uh, break down and it's going to get in there. And so you just kind of want to have the room for that. So then you put a little bit of salt on the top, a little salt on the bottom, um, then you use the exact same method as I said before. Use a nice hot skillet. Do it three minutes, two and a half. If you have really good meat, I mean, go as rare as you are brave enough to do. And I recommend that. You're going to get the best flavor. And you know this, and this is where the burger has turned a corner in American perception. You know, back in the day, a burger was just a really easy food. You would be ordering out at like, you know, whatever your fast food place. And in fact, you know, all the great chefs in the entire world, when they're done with their shift, they still go to these fast food places and get a burger because a burger is just universally always satisfying. Just like the Ramones, always satisfying for a little while. Now, can we talk about the Ramones appearance on The Simpsons? Because that's that's one of my favorite <laughs> celebrity appearances on a yeah, major yeah. network television show ever. What happened again? It's the Rosebud episode. In which it's explained as to why, how, or how Mr. Burns came to be as he, as he is. Uh -huh. A good, trails the story of his, his beloved teddy bear, Bobo, through history and, and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the beginning of the episode, there's Mr. Burns' birthday party, and the Ramones are playing. <laughs> and they famously do one of their short sets in which they kick off by saying, screw you, Mr. Burns, you old miserable old <laughs> bastard. And Mr. Burns replies with, have the Rolling Stones killed? Smithers says, but sir, <laughs> that's the Ramones. And he goes, do what I say. <laughs> and just the way that the, the, you know, back then this was like the pre-modern animation. So a lot yeah. of it, I don't know, was drawn frames maybe. I think they would hand draw the frames. So the animation sure. of the band playing is very like, yeah. um, is is very funny to watch they're they're sort of like you know like oddly mechanical as they're playing you know yeah yeah um definitely one of my favorite things to see as as like a you know like a 10 or 11 year old kid for sure i thought it was the best thing ever yeah all right so i think we covered a lot 
we got all our burgers in. We got our Ramones talking. Yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for tuning in. I think uh, I'll, I'll come up with a a tag outline later. I came up with a tagline. You want to hear it? Sure. What's the tagline? The tagline is "Cook on and rock out." Cook on and rock out. It's not bad, right? No, that's the best one yet. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So do we? We still don't have a name for this thing. Yeah, that wasn't de- that wasn't decided today. It wasn't decided today. So I guess the question is, what's it going to be? If you're tuning into this podcast right now, uh, you probably already know what it is. At the moment we're recording it, we don't know. But uh, we'll figure it out by next week, I promise. Until then, I'm Nate Palin. This is my guest host. Charlie Schmidt. We should figure out what band we're going to choose next week. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I guess it depends on, on what era and what genre. Yeah. Well, you had Ramones. Yeah. I, I think I picked something that I know an awful lot about. Okay. I should set it your, in your corner for let's next do, week. Let's do Motley Crue next week. Motley Crue next week. That, that's going to be a, that's going to be a quite a, quite a dish you're going to prepare gonna for us. It's going to be a savory, spicy dish. <laughs> I bet. We'll Talk about four dudes who can't get along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>what'd you think pretty cool concept huh all right we're gonna do it again next week as we said we're gonna figure out motley crew i'm gonna bring back my friend charlie schmidt for that one as well we're gonna discuss we're gonna come up with a good recipe for the motley crew food the music that you heard today the intro is written by myself nathan palin we had a song by my band the goddams and then we had a song that was composed by myself and charlie the interlude music was actually our own instrumental tune so every week we're going to be playing original music so there you go all right tune in next week signing off this is nathan palin cook on and rock out ciao